This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I read an article a number of years ago when I was uh, working in business. I, I don't know who wrote it, and I don't even remember the, uh, the context. But this company said they would never hire a CEO who had not failed in business somewhere before. And I thought that was a very interesting perspective. They said their reasoning was this. They said, we don't want someone coming in here who's trying to protect a perfect record. And they said, we also want someone who has shown the resilience to be able to bounce back after a setback. This morning, I want to talk about that. I want, as we continue our series, Beyond OK, I want to talk about bouncing back beyond, uh, after a setback. Something that's kind of pushed you back, but not only are you OK about it, you're beyond OK, you have bounced back. The idea that we all experience setbacks is not a positive one. It's not something that everyone's looking forward to. And if I told you, hey, today, this, this year, you're not going to experience any setbacks. You might go, well, hallelujah, but that's not true. And so they, they really, they come in different categories. There's the job setbacks. Uh, you know, we, we're praying, Joyce says she's praying with people that need jobs, people that maybe did not meet their numbers. I was in sales. I used to deal with that. There's uh, people who have new, new bosses um, and they don't like them. Just look straight ahead just in case your boss is here. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's career setbacks. Uh, you know, for students, maybe they didn't make the grade or they didn't make the dean's list or they didn't get in the school that they wanted to get in. There's job career setbacks. There's relational setbacks. I think these may be some of the most difficult ones. It's the breakup. It's the divorce. It's the, the separation of friends or maybe the rejection of, of a group. That can be very difficult. They've done studies that have shown that your brain responds the very same way to social rejection as it does to physical pain. And so there's those relational things. Uh, th those are hard to, to, to work with. That's why you hear so many songs about broken heart. I think it was the Bee Gees years ago that, that sang, how do you mend a broken heart? So there's relational. Then there's what I call out-of-your-control setbacks. These are the storms that come through, the accidents, the sickness, the closures, the layoffs, things you never saw coming, you didn't do anything to cause them, and they just happened to come your way. And then the last category is what I call the self-inflicted setbacks. That's the ones where you messed up, you missed it, you made a mistake. A lady was... In her, she was very involved in her Baptist church, and her Baptist church was holding a bake sale. Anybody remember bake sales? Bake sales, they, everybody makes a bunch of cakes and cookies and stuff, and they sell them. They were supporting a youth mission trip. So she's busy. She's baking a, her, her specialty cake, and it fell. And she didn't have time to rebake it. So she went into the bathroom. She found a, a roll of unused toilet paper and, and stuck the, the toilet paper roll right in the middle of the cake and built the entire cake up around it. It looked beautiful. And then she told her daughter, she brought her teenage daughter in, and she, she was very serious. She said, I'm going to take this cake to the church today and drop it off. Tomorrow morning when that bake sale opens up, you be the first one there and you, you buy this cake that I made and don't let anybody else have it. So her daughter swore that she would. Mom dropped it off. She was busy the next morning. She happened to call her daughter. She said, did you get it? And the daughter said, uh, Mom, 
I got a little bit distracted, and I wasn't there when it opened, and somebody else bought your cake. So the mom is now horrified that somebody else has a cake with a toilet paper roll right in the middle of it. <laughs> mom went to a luncheon later that day. It was hosted by one of the wealthy ladies in the church. It was beautiful. Everything was immaculate. The food, the settings, it was perfect until she watched as the hostess brought out her cake and set it right in the middle of the table. She was just getting ready to say something when someone said to the hostess, my, what a beautiful cake. And the hostess said, thank you. I baked it myself. <laughs> People, that's what we call a self-inflicted setback. And, and, and by the way, from what I understand, that is a true story. So you, uh, how do you get past that one? I, I, I have no idea. You know, the beautiful thing is that we can get past setbacks, especially if you have a relationship with God because he is a marvelous resource and help if you've had a setback. Look at what Paul said about him writing in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I like that verse because that verse tells me that God's not ambivalent and he's not uncaring whenever we go through troubles. That he is the father or the originator of compassion. Compassion did not start with the Red Cross. Compassion started with God. That he is the originator of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now when you think of comfort, sometimes we think of being patted on the head or pat on the back or there, there. No, when God comforts, it's to strengthen us and to encourage us. And his place, his, his desire is to get us so that we receive so much comfort that we can be a comfort to someone else. Now that's when you know you've moved beyond okay. When you're not only comforted, strengthened yourself, that you can be used to strengthen someone else. You've heard Joy and I talk about, for those of you who are new when Joy and I were first married, we had a lot of troubles. We argued a lot. We fought all the time. Most of it was Joy's fault, but I forgave her. And... <laughs> no, no, no. The people laughing were people that know us. And... Um, and they know, no, it was, it was a lot of, of my fault. Both of us brought baggage in. But one of the things we've been able to do over the years is we can bring comfort to other people, encouragement to other people, strength to other people, because God was able to help us, and now we can help you. And so the end result is that, is that, that God can comfort. He's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. The key is receiving his comfort in our lives. A number of years ago in Israel, and they were going through one of their many uh, tumultuous times with some of their neighbors. There was some gunfire and some shooting back and forth. And a missionary wrote that, uh, that they had observed a shepherd in Israel watching over his flock. And he had a small flock, but every time there, were, there was gunfire, the flock would just scatter and they would be so frightened. And they watched as this shepherd took his staff and he would touch each one of the sheep and he would speak calmly to them and immediately they would settle down. They settled down because they trusted the shepherd. And when the gunfire would start again, the sheep would scatter again. And once again, it would take the shepherd to calm them, to reassure them that they were going to be safe, to orient them, and to bring peace to the flock. You know, we've been doing this and reading this passage in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is our shepherd. And there's a passage in there that said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. To realize that God is still able, just as that regular shepherd did, God is still able to touch our lives with his spirit, with his word, and bring comfort and reassure us and orient us when we're going through a difficult time. He's the God of comfort. and He can help us come through a setback. Let me give you the story this morning of a man in the Bible who went through a setback. He's fairly famous. His name is Abraham. And Abraham, well-known. There's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, well-known in the, in the Bible, called the father of our faith. And he was asked by God to leave the city of Haran where he was living. And he took his nephew with him, his nephew Lot. And here's what happened when they left. Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me and take the left, and I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. And that Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Now this was a setback. This was a relational separation over the fact, over resources. The Abraham and Lot were at the very least like brothers. More likely, it was a father-son relationship. Abraham had no child. Lot was his nephew. Lot's father had died. Abraham had stepped into a leadership role here. and Here he was with someone he loved dearly, and their, their herdsmen were arguing and fighting with one another over resources. People say, well, Alan, that, that happened in ancient times. That doesn't happen anymore. Are you kidding me? I, I won't even ask for a show of hands of how many people when someone, a loved one has died, and how the fight starts over the distribution and the resources it's almost ridiculous. And here is Abraham. And finally, Abraham had a great idea. He said, if you go left, I'll go right. And they separated. But Abraham wound up, wound up on the wrong end of the stick here, the short end of the stick. Because not only did he lose a relationship, but he also lost the protection that would come from those groups being banded together. And he got the worst part of the land. So if you're Abraham, you're thinking, you know, God, I followed you all the way out here. And I, I did what you told me to do. Now here I am. I've lost a relationship. It was a setback for Abraham. Even though it was an, this is an ancient text, people are still people, and we still deal with the same things. But God did not leave Abraham there, and he won't leave you there either. Look what he said to him. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I'll make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terrible trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. God gave Abraham a bounce back from his setback. First thing he says is lift up your eyes. Obviously, that's metaphorically speaking, but sometimes when we experience the setback, our eyes tend to go down. We just tend to be looking down. We can't see much beyond that, but God wanted to expand Abraham's vision. So he said, Abraham, I need you to look up, and I need you to look way beyond where you are. And he began to show him something that Abraham had never thought before. I'm going to give you the north and the south and the east and the west. And when Abraham lifted up his eyes, God was showing him what his future was in God. Lift up your eyes. Expand your vision. The second thing you said was arise and walk through the land. Sometimes when you get down, there's a tendency to 
to be to be immobilized. He said, Abraham, I want you to get up. I want you to begin to walk through the land and begin to experience what God's plan was for him. See, Abraham had lost a relative. God said, I got so much more for you. I don't just have descendants for you. He said, I have your, your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. That is way beyond okay. That's almost beyond comprehension. He said, I got so much more for you, Abraham. I want you to walk through this land and begin to experience what God has. And the last thing we see Abraham do is when he moved from that place, he left the place of loss. He left the place that was a downer for him and he built an altar to the Lord. When they would build altars, they'd make them out of stone and they would use them as a, as a place to sacrifice to the Lord. Abraham built an altar, altar, a place of honor and respect for God. But it was also, I'm sure, an altar where he began to say, God, you have done so much and you've promised to me so much. I'm building this altar to honor you. My relationship, my connection with you is stronger. Abraham was a man who moved beyond that, that setback, that relational economic setback, and God helped him, and God will help you. As we move today, as we think about setbacks in our lives, how do we bounce back? How do we move beyond okay? Some of the very same principles apply. You can say, just like God said to Abraham, say, Abraham, I want you to lift up your eyes. In other words, God is saying, I need you to focus your attention on something else. I don't need you to focus on the loss. I don't want you to focus on what you're missing. You know, if, you ever, if you've ever noticed this, I don't know if you've ever done it, but sometimes I've experienced setbacks in, in my life on all four levels. That's why I knew which four to go to. But the idea is sometimes you can replay them in your mind over and over and over. Am I the only one on that? And, and when you replay them, you're thinking, well, they could do this and I would say this, but then this would be different. And I, would, and I, always, I always wind up winning, but it's a painful thing. <laughs> it's painful. And even though you might win in your own mind, you're not changing that situation. And so what I've learned is you can't keep looking at the problem if you want answers. You can't keep looking at the setback and get better. I don't, I don't do much hammering and nailing. I just, I'm not good. But when I do, I make it a point not to hit my thumb. But if you're hammering, how many of you know that you do not look at your thumb if you don't want to hit your thumb? You look at the, the, the nail, the head of the nail. Am I right about that? I wouldn't know. I don't, like I said, I don't do a lot of hammering. Joy, Joy, Joy won't let me. She likes her house intact. And so, but I know motorcycle riders, how many of you know, if you're a motorcycle rider, you don't look at the curve, you look beyond the curve. You, you have to get to a place where you're looking beyond the problem, where you can't just get focused on the problem. Say, so, well, Alan, you, you don't understand. I got this problem, it's in my family, or it's in my job, or it's in myself. How, how in the world can I look beyond it? That is one of the most beautiful things about Scripture, that God's Word can help you look beyond the problem. Romans 15, 4 says, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience, that's perseverance, and the comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. See, what happens is God's word will give you a different perspective. It will give you a different viewpoint. Many of you say, you know, Alan, you always talk a lot about that. Well, I, I understand that the reason I do that is because over the years, Jordan and I have been married for be 38 years this year. And being married for that long, we've experienced setback on almost every level. But in almost every situation, it's not been the situation changing that, that got us out of it. It's the situation changing in here that helped us get out of it. 
and God's word begins to change what gets in your heart and when if it gets in your heart and begins to get in your eyes and then you begin to see beyond the problem. You're not just seeing the problem. You see the hope. You see the future in God. When my wife was, was and Joy and I were dealing with our, one of our daughter who experienced huge setbacks, her engagement broke down. She dropped out of nursing school. She was, she was really doing bad and that was impacting Joy tremendously. And one night I gave Joy a verse just out of Psalms, I believe Psalms 146. I said, you know, Joy, I found this verse today. I said that God raises up those who were bowed down. And that word helped Joy. It helped her lift her eyes past the problem with our daughter. And it gave her hope that God was going to do something different. When my grandson was in NICU and they didn't know how he was going to turn out, I got a word that said that the same spirit, who quick, he will quicken our mortal bodies by his spirit that lives in us. I said, I just believe that God is quickening Grant. And that gave my daughter hope. It gave my son-in-law hope. It gave Joy hope that even though they saw something that was really a setback, they believe that there's a better future in God and God has something better. Listen, God won't do this just for me. He will do this for you. And as you, as you read the scriptures, as you read, we're not doing a duty, guys. We're changing our vision. We're changing what we see. Lift up your eyes. Second thing is, he said, arise and walk through the land. We need to see something different. We need to do something different. See, Abraham had to, had to kind of get out of where he was. God wanted him to move away from the place of loss. Sometimes when things go bad, we just kind of want to sit down and, and go in our room, shut the door, close the blinds, and tell everybody to leave us alone. But that's not going to help us get out of that. Sometimes we just simply need to do something that is different, something that's going to help, something, and one of the best ways is something that helps others. When Joy and I were at Lakewood Church a number of years ago, we had the, uh, they had the singles. And by a series of events where they changed the entire singles ministry, and all the singles were mad. But they weren't mad at Pastor Osteen, they were mad at me. And so Joy and I stood, and from a group that was 75, 100 people, it dwindled down to 12 people. A lady left one night, she shook my hand, she said, I was feeling good till I came in here, I am really depressed now. That's not what you want to hear after a service is over. And so I finally realized, I said, man, this thing is going nowhere. So the next week when 14 people showed up, I put them all in cars and we went to a nursing home and we walked up and down the, the halls of the nursing home, stuck our head in doors and had an opportunity to pray with people in the nursing home. The next week we went to a halfway house and ministered there. Following week we went to and helped the children's church. They were building uh, something for a, a fair they had coming up and we helped them. What was I doing? I was saying, I'm simply saying is, I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing. I'm going to do something different, something to reach out. You say, well, what, what can I do to reach out? Let, let me suggest this. Send a text to somebody. Maybe someone comes on your heart. Send them a text. Just an encouraging text. It will bless them. It will bless you. Write a thank you note. That's um, paper and ink and, and you... <laughs> No one does it anymore. You want to be really unique? Write someone a handwritten thank you note. Just tell them how much you appreciate them in your life. My daughter baked cookies at one of the most down times in her life, and she reached out. You can do something different. Here's one of the best things that you can do different. One of the best. Not the easiest, the best. And that's all for praise to God. Look at this in Psalms here. David says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David's talking to his soul. He's talking to his emotions. 
He said, man, you are, you are, why are you down? You're going to have to put your hope in God. Now, I want to tell you something. You do this, especially after you've experienced a setback, this is not easy. Your feelings are not going to help you get here. But if you'll go there anyway, regardless of feelings, you say, well, Alan, I just, you know, I, I have to go with how I feel. That's just how I am. No, that's not. Because you've been feeling like telling your boss off for a long time and you have not said a word. You just smiled and said, yes, I'd be glad to do that. You didn't feel like it. You did it anyway because you want to keep your job. Listen, sometimes when I praise God, that's the last thing in the world I feel like doing. But when I do, something on the inside begins to lift and I realize, God, I'm going to put my hope in you, my trust in you, my future is in you. I'm doing something different and it helps. Don't call me before or after the texting game today because I, I, I'm hoping I'm not having to praise God Without feelings. And anyway, the, 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 la the last thing is this. Use the setback to draw closer to God, to improve your relationship with God. In other words, man, if you've had a setback, maybe you've had the divorce came through, maybe a breakup that you thought was going to happen, maybe you, you lost a job, maybe you have something, you're thinking, man, this is just so negative. This is the most negative thing in my life. Or maybe it's simply after the holidays and things that turn out like you wanted them to. Don't waste it. Use it as an opportunity to say, God, in the middle of this, I'm going to come closer to you. Abraham built a, a physical altar. We don't build physical altars anymore, but we can build a place in our heart. And we can say, God, I'm coming to you. You are the one who can help me bounce back stronger than I was before. God, you're the one that can move me beyond okay. One story and I'll close. A man by the name of Damon uh, Screeteret said that when he was just a young Christian, just really had made it, to, he said the baptistry waters were still, still wet on him. When he was in high school, two days before he graduated from high school, his father died rather suddenly. Damon said, he, he, he was praying, he said, God, I need to hear from you. God, I need to, I need to have you speak to me. He said, I need to know what you think about this? I need to know how we're going to handle this. He said, Damon said when he went to the church that day for the funeral, he and his mom and his two younger sisters are sitting on the front row. He doesn't remember anything that the pastor said. He was waiting for God to speak. God, I need you to speak to me. He said after this church had a tradition that after a funeral that they would line up out in the foyer and people would come by, shake hands, hug, love. He said he doesn't remember anything Anybody said, he kept, he kept waiting for God to speak. He said, then he saw Kim O'Quinn. Kim was a girl, she was his age, she was with him in the youth group. And their eyes met. And Kim walked over and just tears in her eyes, hugged him and walked away, didn't say a word. And Damien said, I heard God speak. And he realized that just two months earlier, he and Kim he had attended the funeral of Kim O'Quinn's father. He knew right at that moment that Kim knew exactly what it felt like to be him. And he caught it. God, you know exactly what it feels like to be me. You've suffered as a human. You've suffered loss. You've suffered rejection. You've suffered pain. If anyone understands that, 
You understand that. God, if anyone understands what I'm going through, God does. Listen, if anybody understands what you're going through, it's God. He's not way off out there. He's experienced the hurt, the loss, the pain, the setbacks. And I will tell you one thing about our God. He is the master of the comeback. He's the master of the bounce back. Because when Jesus hung there on the cross, he didn't hang there because of any fault on his. The Bible said, all we like sheep have gone astray and everyone has turned to his own way. And the Lord caused to land on him the iniquity, the sins of us all. He did it for us. And it looked like that day when he bowed his head and said, it's finished and gave up the ghost. It looked like the most abject failure in the world. But it wasn't. Because three days later, he came up out of that grave victorious over death and hell and all sin and everything else. He is. He is the master of the bounce back. And he knows how to help you bounce back in your life as well. So he can move you way beyond. Okay. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? This morning, if you're here and say, Alan, I'm not even sure I have a relationship with God. I'm not sure about that, but I want to be. Or if you're here today and say, I, I used to, to really walk with the Lord. I had a relationship with Him, but things have happened. I've walked away from Him. This morning, we'll give you an opportunity. This is your personal bounce back. If you've never accepted Him, this is your opportunity. If you've been away, this is your opportunity to come back. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. We're not trying to embarrass anybody, but we do want to give you an opportunity to make a prayer, a declaration prayer of what God is in your life and who he is in your life. And we're going to pray this prayer with you. That's you. And you say, Alan, I want to be sure that I know that, that I have a relationship with him or I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. We're not going to call you out and embarrass you. Thank you for your courage. Anybody else? Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you for your hands. Appreciate that. If hands have gone up all over. Anybody else? Say, would you pray for me? Great. Thanks. Appreciate your courage and your humility. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you really wanted to, hey, listen, you can jump right in on this. We're going to pray with you. You can pray this prayer. Pray it out loud with us so you can hear yourself. I'm going to lead you in it. Just pray right along with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Let me take a moment and pray for the rest of us. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I have had setbacks. It seems like my life has been a setback. I don't believe that's your future. I don't believe that's what he has for you. Whether it's a, a breakup, a divorce, a layoff, whether it's a self-inflicted or something out of your control, he's still the God of the comeback. He's still the God of comfort. Heavenly Father, thank you for those here today. 
anyone experiencing a setback that has left them in a lower place. Heavenly Father, thank you that you can comfort, you can encourage, you can strengthen, you can lift, you can help them get to a better place. This year doesn't have to be the same. With your help and by your grace, it's going to wind up for our good and for your glory. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.